thinking about our relationship with our money from that visual image of an Egyptian pyramid. So you think about building the lower layers and moving up. And if you put on the sides of it, maximum control down at the bottom and maximum risk up at the top. And so control over your money and risk are opposites. If you're not conscious about your investment strategy, you won't end up where you want to be, not financially or as a human. On this show, we interview highly successful investors and share how they overcame limitations to become unstoppable forces of success. If you're ready to learn what it is to be a conscious investor so you can end up where you want, keep listening. Conscious investor, I know personal freedom is so critical and important to you. I know you want your financial freedom also, but you understand that personal freedom is a precipice to all freedom in our life. And this is why I'm so excited about today's guests, because when we can find and link arms with other like-minded people, especially other podcasters and investors, it becomes a little more exciting, right? And we need that extra support. I mean, we're swimming upstream. The world is telling us one thing and we're saying, hey, no, financial freedom is really important and we are investing for that. However, we want all freedom in our life. And so I'm really excited to have Gary joining me today. He is just phenomenal. We've been talking off air and I did a little recon, although I'm grateful for his service as a naval officer and retiring as a naval officer. I mean, he was a commander of a ship, a nuclear submarine. So this isn't impressive to you. I mean, it's highly impressive to me. That's impressive. But what he's doing to support people today and building out their wealth is even more impressive. Um, not to negate anything in your service to our country, but being able to impact people's lives in this way is just taking the duty, the civil duty to an entirely new level. Gary, so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to The Conscious Investor. Thanks, Julie. I'm honored to be here and I appreciate your focus. You could have helped me more than to say, hey, what I really am interested in is Gary's Gulch, because obviously that's where my passion lies. And it's why I'm not retired on the beach with my feet kicked up. I think <laughs> freedom is the most important thing that we need to focus on. And so I left the Navy early and devoted my life to doing it. So I wouldn't want to talk about anything else. It's so critical. And you know, what's interesting. And you said something really important that is definitely aligned with myself and the conscious investor. And that is like, sure, we could retire and we could kick our feet up and we could sip the Mai Tais on the beach and have all of that sunshine. And trust me, I live on the Canadian border. Conscious investor, you hear me talk about this all the time. Like, I love my sunshine days because I don't get enough of them. I get that. But there's a greater, deeper purpose. So just out of curiosity, and I follow curiosity often, is what is the impetus for you within? Because everything that we do on the outside, all of our actions are a reaction, a response to whatever is taking place internally. So why not just retire? Why not hang out with your beautiful wife and enjoy your kids and hang out on the beach? You know, there's a couple of things. Like, first of all, it's unhealthy. Just <laughs> out and do nothing, right? Like. <laughs> Anybody who is driven knows that it lasts for like five minutes. Like, it's very sad to me that people die with the music inside. Like, they could have been something, but they didn't have the courage to do it. So they worked for 45 years in a job where all they ever thought about was not having to do that anymore. And then even sadder than that is that when they try the beach with their feet kicked up and a Heineken for like 10 minutes, they realize this was not where I thought I was headed. Like I am bored to tears, right? And maybe not. Maybe they're able to go out and reinvent themselves and do what they've always wanted to do, which is perhaps charity, giving back, mentoring people, teaching high school. Like there's so many amazing things 
that we can do to share all of our gifts and expertise that we've built over the years with others. Most people don't do that. Sadly, most people courageously go out and protect all the rest of us like police officers. Like if you look at how long police officers live in retirement, it is really sad. They spend their entire lives protecting all of us, taking bullets literally for us. Mm -hmm. And then they last a few months because they don't understand what they're getting into, right? They don't understand that the word retire means take out of service, right? That's its definition in the dictionary. And so look around anywhere else in nature. I do this all the time. You say you speak to curiosity, right? Or you follow curiosity. All the time. I follow what my other senses are telling me, which is probably curiosity too. But I can remember walking in the middle of COVID and everybody is saying, we're all going to die. And I'm looking at the squirrels and my puppy dog that's walking with me. And like everyone who's running from me to stay 50 feet away when they see me, I was up in New Jersey at the time. And it, none of it checked with reality. Like nothing else in nature said, this is it. This is the end, right? And so it didn't make sense. And so retirement, I look all around nature and I go, okay, where is evidence that any other species, plant or animal is doing this, take ourselves out of service thing that the Austrians decided was a good idea a hundred plus years ago. And we all just jumped on it, right? Because it was a story that sounded cool. I don't have to work anymore and I hate my job. And so I don't want to work. And there's no old squirrels, right? That are like, hey, young dudes, remember when I raised you? Well, it's your turn. Like collect the nuts for me. Or there's no trees who are like, ah, my rates are tired. You guys collect water for me. Like it doesn't work. You stop producing and you die. And that's what God is trying to teach us humans. But we're just kind of thick headed. So I want to help people fix that. So that's why I don't retire, right? Really, though, in my core is that I am as patriotic as they come. I joke sometimes that I speak from stage all across the country with American flag socks on. I mean, it's not a joke. I do have those socks on and I'm super patriotic. And sometimes I'm critical at our government and what they're doing. And it comes off kind of weird. Like I was serving our country, protecting from the forces outside the threats outside America for 30 years. And now I totally reinvented and I left a few years early and I want to protect from threats from the inside. And now I'm critical of the government and starting wars and stuff. And you just have to understand that like what is most important is the freedom in America so that we can spread it to other countries. And that goes away most likely like, okay, I'm rambling. But what I thought to be true was that the biggest threat was from outside America. That's what we learn when we're in the military. Right. And I really cherish those days. But what I learned in greater reflection and maturity the threat is on the inside of America. And yeah. if we don't understand what causes us to have freedom and hold on to it, that's really where we fall apart. I mean, we're mm. such an amazing country. It doesn't happen from the outside. Uh, and I think the more we travel, the more exposure that we have with people from around the globe, the news going back. I love what you said. I have to circle back to what you were talking about, walking during the pandemic and seeing the squirrels and seeing nature and you're collecting and creating this body of evidence. And it's like, okay, the evidence that is tangible and real is not (laughs) matching up and correlating with what I am being fed from all these other sources. This is words and talk, but this is what I am actually seeing. I've said I had a very similar response, but I also live in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, this is great. (laughs) You know, life is good. But when we don't see that and then just transitioning that into the concept of the U.S. and when we are not taking care and feeding things like, I'm sorry, let me straighten out this thought real fast. Here we go. Straighten it out. What I was intending to say was we're told all the time that America is terrible, it's trash, and we get this negative vibe coming at us from within 
when we travel and engage people around the globe, there's another story and another sentiment. And there's a reason why people continually come to our beautiful country. Yeah, absolutely. There is an incredible quote from Ronald Reagan. It was well before he was president. He was in California, still an actor, I think. And he's talking with a friend and he and his friend meet an immigrant from, I think it was Colombia. It was somewhere in South America. And have you heard this quote or have you heard this story at all? I, I keep I going because if I have, the conscious investor may not have. May not have. Good. So they hear his story and Ronald Reagan says, oh, my gosh. And to his friend, he says, um, this is such a reminder about how lucky we are in America. Mm-hmm. And the immigrant says, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm the lucky one. He said, I had some place to go. If you guys mess this up, you don't have anywhere to go. And I completely believe that it's in my core that 250 years ago, I call it the 250 year old experiment. I didn't create that. But people ask me sometimes on my podcast, why do you say that? Because at the time they said crazy stuff and our founding fathers signed their death wish when they said, come get us, King George, most powerful person on the planet, because here's what we believe. The government works for the people. And when people create something and when they have a homestead, it's theirs. We can't take it from them. And it's not the king's. Right. And so that was an experiment. It had never been done in the world. And I mean, sure, let's bash America. Most of that, like you said, comes from inside America. But I ask anybody to like build a real case that America is not a successful experiment because everyone outside America, like you said, you just go ask them. They will say in America, you get to do X. That place is amazing. And why are people running here? Right. (laughs) No one's running away. So that's what I try to tell everyone who's like, I hate America. I'm like, then go. I'll pay for your plane ticket. They're not going to do it. We have choices. I love this. And conscious investor, you know, I don't oftentimes engage political discourse, but I think it's really not, I think it's very important that we deliberate on that and that we do engage in political discourse, that we understand how our country is structured, how other countries around the world operate, because it's very challenging to value something that we don't actually understand. And then we can turn into that family member. Okay. I'll throw myself under the bus, but you can live in a family and you can put somebody in a box and they stay in that box. And as Americans, we're a big family. And so we could start to just look at things in one jaded sense. And so we really need to like open the box and let it air out quite a bit. But this really is a perfect segue into what you and I are truly passionate about is personal freedom and that financial freedom that falls beneath it. And in America, we have such an extraordinary opportunity at building, creating, and generating wealth for today and a legacy for tomorrow. We see money flooding in from other countries around the globe. You and I see it in the investing space all the time, where it's like, there's so much money coming from other countries constantly into the U.S. to invest because it's so powerful and such a great opportunity you and I are passionate about helping people build true wealth. So let's go ahead and transition into that. You have a very large heart with lots of beats to it. So let's go down that rabbit hole and talk about your philosophy that the conscious investor can apply to their life on building lasting wealth. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate that. So I'll start with the name of my podcast, which is Gary's Gulch. And that goes back to Galt's Gulch from Ayn Rand's book, Atlas Shrugged. And so if I'm fairly certain conscious investor knows who Ayn Rand is, she immigrated from the Soviet Union and made it her purpose in life 
to explain to Americans why we should not go down the path of socialism. And it was all the same reasons that you and I are speaking about. And in this book, Atlas Shrugged, a very large book, it's like a thousand page fictional book about America in the like the 1960s. There was a place where the producers, the people who were continuing to add value, even though there was more and more government regulation and made it harder and harder, they stopped them from producing things that were profitable. Yet there were this group that just kept producing beyond all of that. And eventually they would go to this place called Galtz Gulch. I don't want to destroy the book for you. And by the way, Conscious Investor, if you haven't read it and it's too big of a step today, there's a really awkward kind of mini series three part movie on Amazon Prime that you can watch the three parts. The reason I say it's awkward is because it's like low budget and it gets the point across, but they change the characters, every character in every movie. So it's really crazy to figure out who's who. Okay, that just falls in line with true Russian literature. I'm just going to say, if you read <laughs> Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, you read any classic, any yeah. Russian lit, you're like, who are these characters? So I'm just saying maybe Amazon. I'll just throw that their way. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. So the reason for Gary's Gulch is because I'm trying to attract individuals. I am attracting individuals who, who are seeking agency. And agency is not a word that we use very often. In fact, one of my best listeners, and I'm sure he's listening to this one too. And so my hat's off to my investor, but he said, you know, I love what you're talking about, but Andrew says, every time you say the word agency, it makes me want to throw up. And I go, okay, (laughs) why? Because I looked at the definition of agency and it was my coach who said, you know, you keep talking about agency. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about because I never used the word, but it means the ability of an individual to make their own free choices, Mm -hmm. right? That's basically it. Yes. And I talk about the financial side of it in just a moment here, but you know, it's still on my soapbox. Andrew said, it's because CIA and and, um, NSA and all of these other government things that end an agency that are not good for us. And I go, okay, understood. So I went down this rabbit hole to figure out why that is. And your listeners have to reach out to me independently because I don't want to destroy the whole time that we have together. But there's a reason they put the word agency in those organizations. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ability of an individual to make their own free choice. Because my premise is that living an inspired and abundant life requires freedom and freedom requires agency. Because in my podcast that's posting tomorrow, I talked about the funny movie Office Space that was back in 1999. Oh, yeah. And right. And like the boss was pushing on them. Yeah, I'm going to have to have you come in on Saturday. Right. And like the people did it. And why did people take I'll just be family friendly here and say, why did they take a jab a couple of years ago? And why are they now have health problems? Right. They did it because they were going to lose their job if they didn't do it. And so we send our kids to schools and let them hear things that we would rather not do, but we can't afford the private school that we want to go to. So it all comes back to, does somebody have their thumb on you financially? I call it financial blackmail. And so it is my mission in life to attract people who already have a taste for agency. They already have agency and they want to grow it and they want to be able to help other people do the same. Right. And so sometimes I meet people who are like, listen, I'm five years from when I want to retire at age 50." Four, and they played Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow 101 and they missed the point of it. They're like, if I can just barely cover the passive income, then I'm free. And their idea of free is do nothing. I'm like, that's not me. I'm not your guy. Like, right. I want to spend my time, my days left on this planet helping other people who are going to spread agency to everybody else. And so the whole point of Galt's Galt and, and Atlas Shrugged was to take those who understand agency and create an environment so that they can do it and not be oppressed. 
And I'm trying to do that electronically through education and through my podcast. I'm taking it physical, though. I just moved to Cape Coral, Florida, and we're building a little resort down here. And I'm going to bring people in once or twice a year, and we're going to actually do Galt's Gulch in, in live format. So that's a lot of my passion. And then I'll pause there for a redirect, but then maybe I'll get into just kind of financially what's important. Wow. So amazing. I love this. And I agree with you. I love words. And so I understand the multiple meanings of the word agency. But as you very eloquently stated, it's not common. I mean, most of us think of the FBI agency or the CIA, like you said, all of these government bureaucracies. And it's like, no, as you were alluding to, that's one use of agency. But now let's look at this in our sense and let's have that personal ownership of our lives so that we're empowered. And Conscious Investor, you hear this all the time, but God created us. We have unique giftings. And recently, I think you'll appreciate this. And then we're going to dive in. I'm going to take a little bookmark here and just say my husband and I love the 1920s. We were recently at a beautiful hotel and we were like, wow, wouldn't it be great to have lived during this era? It seems glamorous. And then you start thinking, wow, we all missed the mark on when we were born. But it's like God put us in a very unique time in history and equipped us very uniquely to be able to take action that is extraordinary if we're willing to engage. And I really appreciate how you were saying like so many people are don't let the music die inside. Conscious investor, I say that all the time in my own way, and I'm going to borrow those words more often. Bedros recently, I just started listening to his podcast, and he was like, we have these jet fighter, the jet fighter inside of them, but they're living these crop duster lives. We don't want to do that. So lots of different ways. (laughs) I I was like, I thought you would appreciate that one. It really resonated with me as well. And I'm like, wow. Yes. Like we are all jet fighters. We are capable. We are equipped. You could give us a really cool submarine analogy. I am certain of this, right? So it's like, let's live that full life in that concept of retirement. As you said, nature doesn't do it. And so being prepared financially to live out a really full, rich life and to not live that blackmail, that financial blackmail. Absolutely love that. And I want to high five you. You're going to have a great time with live in-person events. We had our first conscious investor event earlier this year, and we're preparing for our 2024 event. It's phenomenal. I can't wait for you. I will be there. That's incredible. Yeah, you're like, (laughs) yes. So we will have to swap events. But what I would love to know now is the conscious investor is looking at these years and saying, yes, Gary, all of this. Yes, 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 yes. I believe everything you're saying. I'm on board with everything. What's my first step? Like I was on the phone yesterday with an investor and, Hey, how do I get this money? How do I start this process? You and I have these conversations often, and that's a great conversation. How is it? I'm going to find this money. How am I going to actually start this process? I'm tired of being financially blackmailed. Hey, conscious investor. Often the well-intentioned hardwiring of our past prevents us from moving forward at full capacity. We doubt ourselves. We remind ourselves of who we were told we were instead of discovering who we were created to be. We lack courage to move into the life we're meant to lead. And often, instead of stepping into our full potential, many find themselves living a masked life, concerned with other people's expectations and opinions of their lives. Conscious performance coaching clients discover their potential is far more than they anticipated. 
through conscious performance coaching, you will connect with your potential, gain lasting momentum, collapse your timelines, and well, hey, every day feels like play. Stop playing small and step into your full potential. Join the ranks of those who have stepped into their dreams, launched successful businesses, and become unstoppable forces of success. Click the link in the show notes and apply for a free coaching session today. The most important thing to understand is that going way back to the general education board before the industrial revolution, I'm not trying to do conspiracies here. This is very well documented. John D. Rockefeller kind of headed it off and he created the general education board, right? And the point was to create good little servants who are disciplined, like at the early age with the little, you know, uh, ruler on your hands, if you're not responding correctly in school, right? And you're following rules. And so the whole point was create good little workers for the industrial revolution, for the factories, right? Good little factory workers. And my whole point for this is that everything we're being told is to keep us enslaved. It's to prevent us from having agency. At this point, it's just silence. Like it just happens, right? It's accepted. And so all the advice you're getting financially is the same way. The what I'm going to tell you is going to be contrary to anything that you're going to hear out there outside. And I'm sure it's what you're saying to the conscious investor as well. And so my best way to do this audibly without a visual representation. So I meet with all my clients through Zoom and several meetings and we talk, you know, wealth strategy, financial strategy. And certainly this what you specialize in is providing a more passive investment that people can do while they're still very busy with their W-2 job. Right. Or if they're running their own business. And so if you can think of an Egyptian pyramid, really, we adapted this from Abraham Maslow. And so I work with my dear friend and mentor, Patrick Donahoe, and Patrick runs a company called Paradigm Life. And he was my mentor back in 2011 when I started down this path. And he has helped me understand things well beyond what I knew as a good little military W-2 worker. But I was seeking control over my finances. I knew following the 2008, 9, 10 correction that there was something wrong because I lost half my family's wealth. I threw myself into the education side. And what I realized in all of that was that his model is brilliant. And it is completely contrary to everything that we have been told as we grew up as kids and everything that the people at the cocktail party are going to be saying when you talk to them or in your family, like you said, when you're at Thanksgiving or whatever. And so if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, he was saying that in the foundational layer, most important thing is food, shelter, and clothing. If you don't figure out the basic needs, you're not even going to wonder about community involvement and self-actualization at the very top. You don't care why you were put on this planet if you don't know where you're eating tomorrow, right? And so he's using the Egyptian pyramid because it's a nice example of something that was built by man stood the test of time for thousands of years, and we've all seen one. But the reason that they're still standing is because they didn't skip any steps. They did the bottom layers. And then when they had that completed, then they moved to the next one, right? And so thinking about our relationship with our money from that visual image of an Egyptian pyramid. So you think about building the lower layers and moving up. And if you put on the sides of it, maximum control down at the bottom and maximum risk up at the top. And so control over your money and risk are opposites. And just think of the risk side as like you're standing on this thing, right? So if it's all wobbly and it wasn't built correctly and you're standing way up at the top and you should still be at the bottom fixing it, we are probably going to fall off. So you're at maximum risk, right? Max risk at the top, minimum risk at the bottom, most certainty and security at the bottom. And then control over your money though is what's driving this. So I want to go invest in crypto stocks, like a new startup company, crypto, whatever. Like, is that risky or not? Well, most of us would say, yeah, probably, but why? And the answer to that is because it's your relationship to your money. 
So why would you invest in that? Well, because my buddy said it was a good thing, a good idea. Mm-hmm. I heard it on the news, whatever. I like the symbol that they have for their company, like whatever it is, right? <laughs> right? But yeah. you don't know the people. So that could be a risk. You don't know the technology. You don't know what they're doing with the money. Like it's totally just pulling a slot machine handle. And that's what most Americans are doing in mutual funds or their advisor. So again, like we are told, hand your money off to a professional. They will manage it for you. You're in it for the long haul, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, blah, blah, blah. And none of this stuff plays out. And it's really because you have no control or insight into what's happening with your money. So this is probably not a newsflash for anybody. But if you go put money in a safe in a very secure building or Fort Knox, right? Are you really good with a weapon and you're guarding the thing? Like that's pretty low risk and high certainty. And so that's the foundational piece of your personal finances. And so savings account in America, thankfully for the last hundred years has been pretty safe. You know, Silicon Valley Bank, notwithstanding, right? (laughs) But a safe in your house, if it's a secure place, right? And then weirdly, whole life insurance for the last 150 years. Mm -hmm. And so I specialize in helping people store their money in a place where it's going to grow at four to 5% without taxes. It's more private, secure. And by the way, it protects the number one asset, which I'm pointing at myself and I'm pointing at you and everyone else who's a conscious investor looking at this. Like we know that our expertise and our W-2 is what's most important, but a lot of people don't protect it because we've been told that uh, it's a waste of money and you don't need to protect that thing, especially when your kids are out of the house. So those are the foundational things. And then up from there is your own career, your own business, your own real estate. And then up from there is syndication. And it is a lot stronger. Syndication, meaning like you're passively investing. That's a lot better than just randomly doing the slot machine way up at the top. Oh, gosh, I love this. And I want to dive down the rabbit hole of it's known by so many things, bank on yourself, infinite banking, um, perpetual wealth building strategy. Like there are so many different ways that we can talk about whole and then we can argue whole and universal yeah. life insurance policies. We're not going to go into that argument. It's a debate, <laughs> conscious investor. And sure. I'm sure. not going to engage that part because really it's the principle that you need to understand. Now, I've spoken with the conscious investor. They have questions about the sure. infinite banking, but how do you want to reference it? Do you want to use IBC or do you want to use like perpetual wealth building? What terms should we agree on right now? <laughs> yeah, infinite banking is fine. I don't get too caught up in the language. In fact, I hate the yeah. fact that there's multiple languages. Right? It's very confusing. Oh, I didn't do that infinite banking thing. I did velocity banking or I did something like that, right? And so it's just marketing to me. It's disingenuous. And so there's reasons why there's multiple. It's copyright kind of stuff. And to me, it's a mindset of scarcity, which I run from because this world is abundant. I mean, we've never ran out of whale oil. We've never ran out of coal. We've never ran out of oil. We're not going to because God creates more of it, right? And so it's just silly. Scarcity is silliness. So from an abundant mindset, I don't care what we call it. And we won't go down the rabbit hole, but I will just comment that Index Universal Life Insurance or UL is totally fine. It's just not what I'm talking to people about using this tool for. It's fine as an investment. It probably does grow faster in certain scenarios than whole life insurance. The problem is that it's not safe, liquid, and guaranteed to always be there no matter what. And so I'm trying to use this vehicle as an efficient foundational piece in this hierarchy of wealth. And the other one just can't do that job. Okay. That's a great clarification. So. I have like three important questions that I want to ask, but I don't want to ask those questions until we ensure that the conscious investor is really clear as to what we're talking about. So if you will, because I could give my version of it, but this is what you live and breathe and you're the like expert. So I want your expert like 
the elevator pitch as to, okay, great. I'm going to use these whole life insurance policy and I'm going to fund it. And it's going to be my foundation for my wealth building. How, why, what is that policy actually doing for me and how can I actually use it and whatever you want so that we can get the conscious investor actually just like in tune with you and I get the concept. Let's make sure they understand the concept. Absolutely. So probably the first question is how can you borrow against a life insurance policy? Like why is there cash there to begin with? Right. And so there's two kinds of life insurance in America. There's temporary and permanent term and whole life insurance. And Let's talk about in the perspective of the conscious investors familiar terms or language, which is real estate, right? So if you have a house that you're going to live in, right, you can live in it legally two different ways. You can either rent it or you can own it, right? And so most of the time people rent their shelter, their house, because they're young, because they haven't set up their lives and need to work out some other things like a lot of debt or whatever the issue is, but they're not in a position to own it. But everyone in America, this whole American dream thing is I want to own my own house. George Bush said we should all own our own house. And I think that's a mistake, but at least not on day one. But there's people who are renting homes, know that they're giving the money to the landlord. They know it's not building wealth for them. But people, when they have the financial ability, they shift over and they start owning their home because they know that this larger payment than my rent payment is okay because it's going to my pocket. I'm growing wealth for the future, Mm -hmm. right? and equity and all that. If you parallel whole life insurance and real estate going back for 200 plus years, they have the same tax consequences, they have the same tax treatment, and they grow wealth the same way. So there is a way to rent your life insurance. It's called term insurance. And it is awesome. Just like renting your house, try sleeping outside, try creating six person family in your late 20s, and everybody depends on your income and you die. And that's a mess, right? And so renting your insurance, your protection of your future income stream for your family forever is awesome. But there's this thing in the back of your mind that should, have we not been taught bad stuff by Dave Ramsey and others, right? If we have really looked at it with the math, we would say, I don't want to rent anymore. That's wasting money. I want to own. And owning life insurance is called whole life. And so what you're doing is you're making payments, you're collecting, protecting, and growing dollars. And they give you access to those dollars, just like collecting, protecting, and growing equity in your asset, and they give you access to the asset, you can borrow against it while you're building equity, right? Line of credit. So you can do the same thing with life insurance. There's equity in there and you can sell it, but that's not a good idea. Instead, you can borrow against it. So if I have $100,000 in my life insurance policy or 10,000, then I can borrow against that amount. They will give me that cash to go do an investment, go on vacation, fund my kid's college, whatever. It's essentially my cash. I can use it for whatever I want. This is one of the most powerful things. One analogy I have heard, and so I'm going to share this analogy and then let you moderate it. And that is, I love the concept of it also being like a safe. And so just so correct me if I'm wrong, again, moderate this. I'm feeding this whole life insurance policy and I don't have to report that if my child is going to college and they need financial aid or something, it's like a vault and it's closed and it's like, oh, I don't have this. But if I want to go and place an investment or if I want to borrow, I can use that to show that I have some financial means. It's actual real collateral that can be used to demonstrate the portfolio of my wealth. Um, and so I want to know, accurate? modify the analogy a bit, what would you say? Yeah, it's completely accurate. I get even more basic sometimes. And and your comment there about the typical financial aid forms, 
It is true. They don't count the life insurance. And to me, that just blows my mind, but I'll tell you why they don't. Okay, this is my opinion of why they don't. Because go look where everybody in Congress who makes the rules, where exactly. for their wealth, right? So everyone's like, well, what if they change the rules on life insurance? They could, but people who are going to change those rules are definitely opposed to doing that. Well, then why do they change the rules every year on retirement accounts? Because they're not stupid enough to put their money there. So mm -hmm. yes, what you said is completely accurate and you call it a vault. I sometimes get it even more basic if I have to. Yeah. It's really confusing somebody. And I just say, listen, imagine you have two boxes and they have a hole in the top and one's called a savings account at Chase Bank and one's called a whole life insurance policy. And you didn't even know you could put money in that one, right? But now you do. And so why would I put this cash that I have in my hand? I could put it in the sock drawer or where it's not as safe and it's not growing, or I could put it at Chase and maybe a 1% or something on it and get taxed, or I could put it in this other box. And it turns out it's going to grow inside that one at four to 5% and has for hundreds of years. You can access it without tax. So it's got a lot of the same kind of characteristics of a Roth account. If you think about it, it's after-tax money that grows and you access throughout your entire life without paying tax on it and pass it on without paying tax. So it's just a box that's just a lot better box to store my cash in than a savings account. I'm engaged in this practice and I believe in it and I think it's amazing and it makes me frustrated that I was in my early 40s when I discovered this. Like, me too. How? You still look like you're in your early 40s, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Like, how? How did I just find out about all of the things that I am like on my soapbox all the time preaching? Like, I don't want anyone else to be left behind. And it's so amazing to watch people yeah. in their early adulthood really catching fire. Want to yeah. ask a specific question. And Conscious Investor, you have asked me this question repeatedly. And so now we have an expert. We're going to get an answer. Okay, Gary, we have this whole life insurance policy. When can I actually pull money out of it and actually use it? What's that timeline look like? What's that process look like? I want to invest in another real estate deal and I want to do it through this policy, but I don't know the process as to how what that horizon looks like and kind of yeah. the mechanics of it. So yeah, great question. It's a very common question. It's so, so common. In, in the end, it depends on the insurance company and what kind of product. Like whole life insurance, you can do much faster and much bigger levels because there's protections there. Sometimes people will tell you with universal life, don't do it in the first couple of years. I would agree with that. But whole life insurance, you can do it much faster. And some companies, even the whole life companies, they say, hey, don't do it for a year. But the ones I work with, Penn Mutual, sometimes Mass Mutual, they're a little on the fence sometimes. But New York Life and other major mutual companies that are 200 years old, they ask us to give them 30 days to get the account set up and get everything stabilized, right? But I can tell you from personal experience, when I started my policies, I did it from three different companies because I had some on myself, my wife, and all three companies I borrowed against them in three days and put it into real estate. And it was wow. roughly it was roughly 80% of what I had contributed. So you're not going to get access to 100% on day one. It's close. We optimize it to get access to the cash very early on. So let's throw some rough numbers out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Rough numbers meaning, okay, you know, maybe there's a $50,000 minimum investment. If I have $100,000 sitting in my bank and I go meet with you and I'm like, gosh, I really need to get into this deal. I believe in it, but I want to do it through the whole life insurance policy. Can we go in there, fund it? What does that look like? 
I am getting so granular on this because I assure you, Gary, I have had these questions come up regularly. <laughs> yeah. So this isn't overpromising, but I'm showing you the optimistic side at the beginning and then I'll back off of it. So yeah. the company I do most of my business with will often healthy young individuals like the conscious investor. And I'm saying like under 65 or 70 right? A healthy individual who's had a great track record and hasn't had major surgery in the last few years, that person fills out an application that takes about 10 minutes and the computer does some checking of publicly available medical databases and driving records and stuff. And if everything is good, it comes back with a rating. And we DocuSign submit it and it comes back with a link to start. So like you can do same day or next day in many occasions. Now, if it's more like somebody in mid fifties like me, and it's got a few dings and dents, you know, a little bit of a medical history. And oh, so that Navy life. <laughs> yeah. So the record is this thick and I'm actually really healthy, but it's just got a lot of stuff in it and they love to look at it, right? The insurance company. So if it's that situation, maybe they want to do lab work. Like maybe they want to do a blood test, right? And yeah. some companies just haven't embraced the available technology. And so it's still routine for them, still standard. Mm-hmm. And so a lab test is really is still, that's not hard. It's a 20 minute visit that they can typically do two or three days after you start the application. And then maybe on the outside, they want to see doctor's records. That's when the wheels can really kind of get stuck in the mud. If the doctor's office says, hey, we have a 30 day wait, you have to call us back in 30 days. We're really behind that kind of stuff. You know, during COVID, it was crazy. I have a dear friend of mine who's also a member of the military, an officer, submarine officer with me. And we're on our third attempt to get the government, the military, to give us the records. And he's super healthy. We all know it. But, you know, anyway, so he's three months into this thing, but it could be the next day. And so I would say typically two to three weeks is a real good timeline that I think I could get it in under that amount of time. I like that. Conscious investors, I know you have like this horizon, right? On the best case scenario, rainbows, unicorns, all of that. We could maybe get this done in a few days. Worst case scenario, you're three months still waiting and still waiting. Who knows when it's going to. But average case is, hey, you know, it's going to take a few weeks, maybe a month, and you're going to be rocking and rolling. So, and just speaking from the active investing side, conscious investor, I can say, as long as you're communicating with your team that you want to invest in, that's probably not a problem. That's more than likely not going to be an issue and more than likely they'll be able to reserve your spot and hold it for you. So keep that in mind as well. You know, one quick point on that, like everyone thinks of this as all or nothing, right? And it doesn't have to be that way. I have clients who are saying, okay, but I'm not sure if I need the money in the 30 days, right? The first 30 days. And so they say, well, how about this? Can I just do the minimum? And the minimum is typically it's like 20% of the maximum. So every year we create a policy that you should plan on contributing to at least for five to seven years, just a commitment to do a longer term thing here. You can contribute typically for out to age 100 or something. But you can always do shorter and never go beyond that, right? You should commit to five to seven if you're going to start one of these things. And then in general, we make them as flexible as possible. So the minimum is like 20% of the max. So if you're doing $100,000, the minimum that you should be comfortable doing is 20K a year, right? Mm -hmm. And so in that example of 100K max, 20 minimum, then you could just say, all right, well, it's ready to go. I may need a majority of the money in the first 30 days. So I'm just going to put the 20 in. I'm going to start the clock with that. And then I get out there at the 25 day point and I'm like, hey, it's at least another week and a half. I'm good. Put the other 80 in three days later, turn around and use it all. Right. And so it's really just about from the very start, it's 30 days. So next year, when you're going to put in the 100K, maybe we're having the same conversation. Hey, I think I might just do the 20 because a week from now I need all the money. No problem that time because you put it in and two days later you can borrow whatever is available. 
Oh my gosh. I love this. My goodness. I could go on down the rabbit hole in this conversation. Conscious investor, we have to wrap up. And I know that you're getting so much value from this. And you can see that there are a lot of moving parts, but none of it is overly complex. It's just having someone that can be a trusted guide take you through the process. So I want to encourage you, a couple of encouragements here, Conscious Investor. Make sure that you are reaching out. I always remind you to do this. I don't just have anybody on the guest. In fact, I was on another friend's podcast, The Gentle Art of Crushing It. And that's where I was like, oh, wait, I was listening to that different episodes. And I saw Gary's episode. I'm like, wait, what? And so I had a friend and it provided introduction. So when somebody is on this podcast, you know that it's not just some random person. There's a little bit of gentle vetting that is taking place to ensure that these are people that you do want to reach out to. Now you need to trust and verify on your own. Please remember that always, (laughs) but take time, head over, check out Gary's Gulch podcast on all your favorite platforms. And as always, leave a rating and review. That's just a very friendly thing to do. It's like when you go to a friend's home for dinner, take a bottle of wine. It's fun. It's nice. And it's a great thing to do. Also, I want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with Gary. So Gary, what is the best way for the conscious investor to reach out with you? Because I know they're curious and they're like, okay, you wet my, this is an appetizer. Where's a full course meal? (laughs) (laughs) So the easiest way is just my personal website. I just branded with my name. So it's GaryPinkerton.com. There's a link there, or you can just email Gary at GaryPinkerton.com. And I can spell it for you, but just Google Gary Pinkerton Submarine Commander and you'll get there. (laughs) You'll get all sorts of cool information. (laughs) Gary, this has just been pure joy. I appreciate the work that you are doing, the contribution um, for people financially, but really for people personally and empowering people to really take agency of their lives and live this empowered life that they were intended to. So thank you so much. Absolutely. I just want to push Gary's Gulch because I have no doubt, certainly you are a ideal person to be in my life. And so I have no doubt that your listeners are, they wouldn't be listening to you. So if we can uh, mix audiences, I think I can add a tremendous amount of value. I'm very grateful. I have no doubt about that as well. Conscious Investor, I appreciate you taking time to listen to this episode. Please remember, leave a rating and review. Let us know what you think of this episode down at the bottom or wherever it is. Hit the follow button and leave that rating and review. Give us some feedback. Honest. If it was a one star and you were frustrated with it, you know, great. Let us know. Honesty, like you have agency over however you want to communicate that. You're not going to be on the blacklist or anything if you leave a review that isn't our favorite. You know, it's like, no, you are our favorite because we're here creating content for you. We're here to serve and support you. And as always, if you have not already popped on the calendar to speak with me, why not? I was talking with an investor yesterday who listens to the show and he said, I always hear you say this and I didn't know if it's true. And by the end of our conversation, he's like, oh my gosh, you're absolutely not even joking when you say call. Like, (laughs) so anyway, pop down in the show notes, schedule a time for us to talk so we can just see what's going on with your investment goals. Maybe I end up reconnecting you with Gary. Maybe there is another strategy that you need to be implementing. If I can't support you, I'm going to connect you with someone who can. Okay. Until next time, live big, love bigger, and do great things. Overwhelmed by apartment syndication, but want to learn more? Let me help you press the easy button. Head over to threekeysinvestments.com and download Syndication Made Simple. 
I explain simply how the process works, who's involved, and how you can get started today. You're smart, and with this simple guide, you'll be able to understand the process. Head over to 3keysinvestments.com and download Syndication Made Simple.